Right. Sparking up, I see. <laughs> yeah. I hear Robert. <laughs> <laughs> you see me? Fuck. <laughs> see me? Feel me? <laughs> they say he did have an enemy. Opposing the government. This was the greatness to behold. And opposing the conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left. He was the last surviving progeny. Who want to... The last one on the side of the world. Tighten their control. They want to... Uh, measured a half mile from tip to tail. Silver and black. Sideline. Powerful fins. Uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about... They say you could split a mountain in two. That's how we got the Grand Canyon. That is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left... Last great American whale. Famously cannot tolerate. Last great American whale. Any dissent. What's it? Well, we know who the hard left is. Last great American whale. We're in the, you know, ascendancy. Last great American whale. Within the, within the Labour Party, who associate with the hard left. Some say they saw him at the Great Lakes. Some say they saw him off of Florida. You just said that we were right, to right wing. My mother said she saw him in Chinatown. It's a hard left agenda. Printing money. But you can't always trust your mother. Nationalization without compensation. That's sort of. Off the Carolinas, the sun shines brightly in the day. Hard left wing position. The lighthouse glows ghostly there at night. Hard the left. The hard left. The hard left. The chief of the local tribe that killed the racist player's son. The hard left. The hard left. Been on death row since 1958. Hard left. Hard left. The hard left. The mayor's kid was a rowdy pig. Spit on Indians and lots worse. The old chief buried a hatchet in his head. Life compared to death for him seemed worse. Well, Americans don't care for much of anything. Land and water the least. And animal life is low on the totem pole. With human life not worth more than infected yeast. Americans don't care too much for beauty. They'll shit in a river some battery acid in a stream. They'll watch dead rats wash up on the beach. Complain if they can't swim. They say things are done for the majority. Don't believe half of what you see, none of what you hear. It's like what my painter friend Donald said to me. Stick a fork in their ass and turn them over, they're done. I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking. So we're just gonna have like a, a chat today. We're just gonna talk about some general stuff, are we? Um, you betcha. But um, actually, I mean, I've just, um, I've just got heard some bad news, unfortunately, which is that the director, documentary filmmaker D. A. Pennybaker has died at the age of ninety-four. Um, oh no! P- Pennybaker directed films such as Don't Look Back, the um, the famous film documenting Bob Dylan's 1965 acoustic tour of the UK, which is considered a classic music movie. He directed a film, or sort of co-directed a film with Dylan on Dylan's 66 electric tour um, called Eat the Document, uh, and that was never released. I think you might be able to find a bootleg copy of it. Um, Oh, nice. Other things he directed, just sort of going through the ones that I've seen. There's a lot of music stuff, but also political films. So um, he directed Montrey Pop, about the Montrey Pop Festival in 1967, which includes historic performances by Otis Redding, The Who, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, 
um, and many other great artists. He directed Sweet Toronto, 1970, which is just like there's performances by all these old rock and roll guys. You've got Bo Diddley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Chuck Berry and Little Richard. And then John Lennon comes on for a very, very rare solo performance and does a set consisting of solo songs, one Beatles song, Yeah Blues, which is that one where the lyrics are, yes, I'm lonely, want to die, etc. And a couple of rock and roll covers. Uh, And then 1973, Penny Baker directed Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars the film documenting David Bowie's final concert as Ziggy Stardust before he killed the character in, to quote a Bowie, Bowie song, what could be described as a rock and roll suicide. <laughs> you got Jimmy Plays Monterey in 86 uh, and Shake, Otis at Monterey in 87, which I'm guessing are just Jimi Hendrix and Otis Redding sets from the Monterey Pop Festival as in their entirety. Right, yeah. You've got The War Room, 1993, a kind of slightly like, oh, politics, what a concept, liberal documentary about Bill Clinton's campaign for president in 92, kind of made a star out of his advisor, James Carville. I'm trying to think what I've seen after that. In 2000, he directed a film called Down from the Mountain, which is basically a performance, a live performance of songs from the Coen Brothers movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. In recent years, I, I thought I'd seen um, a more recent D.A. Pennybaker film, but apparently not. In 2006, he did a film about now-disgraced former U.S. Senator Al Franken. Mm. <laughs> and in 2007, he did a documentary called 65 Revisited, which is a new one-hour documentary to accompany the DVD release of Don't Look Back. So, I mean, that's obviously, that's just a skimming through some of the stuff that he put together. But that's a, it's a formidable filmography. Yeah, certainly, especially in music, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, few people have documented music in such a fiery and compelling way. I mean, quite literally fiery. Uh, I think <laughs> if we're talking about Jimi Hendrix's performance at the Monterey Pop Festival... You've, you've got to feel for the Grateful Dead because at Monterey they were slotted in between the Who, who smashed up all their instruments, and then G- <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, who set up, who set his guitar on fire, <laughs> and the Dead were just kind of you know noodling away and <laughs> doing their thing. Yeah. They hadn't really come into their own at that point, '67, uh, uh, and they were sandwiched between these two artists at the peak of their live powers, captured brilliantly as with Otis Redding's set by Penny Baker and I think Chris Hegedus or that might have been from late no no that was a pure Penny Baker film it was uh, later on that Chris Hegedus worked with him on films such as The War Room but um right on right on yeah but man that's so I, I just wanted to pay tribute to D.A. Penny Baker because you know it's um he was a significant filmmaker, significant figure for fans of rock and other great popular music of the 20th century. Sure, it's yeah. definitely a big meeting point in the topics that we cover, really, generally. Yeah, I mean, uh, like R.I.P. <laughs> not so much the politics, but... No, uh, I mean... A um, little bit. Yeah, The War Room is... I remember finding it quite enlightening, but I, there's an episode of the Michael and Us podcast where they, okay, they yeah. don't find it as enlightening. 
<laughs> he did a film in uh, called Jingle Bells in 1964, which doesn't have its own Wikipedia page, but it says Jingle Bells 1964 with Robert F. Kennedy. So he's, uh, he's like the Robert Kennedy. Yeah, the Robert Kennedy. So okay. he seemed he seemed to start off in political stuff, pivot towards music, and then move back towards politics towards the end of his life. What has Jingle Bells got to do with Robert Kennedy? Don't know. Let's look it up. <laughs> I, I, I want to watch that now, even yeah, though I yeah. probably will hate it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short film, um, and it was the first film he made with Robert Kennedy after the death of J.F. Kennedy. Looks like it's on YouTube, actually. So, uh, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. If, if it's a two-minute-long thing... Uh, then yes, it is on YouTube. Yeah, depends uh, how short a short film is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it it is just two minutes long. And it's on Vimeo as well as YouTube. I'll, I'll send you the link just for uh, all right future reference. Get get me two minutes full of Robert Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> um, that liberal icon's younger brother. Yeah, <laughs> <The other> liberal <laughs> icon. <laughs> was was uh, was RFK a bit more liberal than JFK? Uh, am I right in thinking that or? I don't honestly know much about RFK, uh, really. Because <laughs> I, I mean, um, he was—I know he was in, in an inspiring figure when he ran uh, for president in '68. Of course, uh, in the course mm, of which he was murdered. He did not live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I but think... more liberal than JFK. Jeez, I don't know. That's that's pretty fucking liberal. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I guess I meant liberal in in the American sense. So, like, maybe a bit, oh, okay. a bit more left wing. Yeah, a bit more more uh, to the left than than JFK. He might have been. Yeah, that, that's that's certainly possible. Uh. Yeah, I know he was big into scrapping with the mafia and the unions over their links to the mafia. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I, I can't find like a quick fix on his Wikipedia page that can make me say actually he was very reactionary. But I think, I think probably by our standards he was. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty safe to say of most politicians in the sixties, uh, most mainstream politicians at least. Yeah. <laughs> They've started calling you an anarchist. Papers, that's the word now. Anarchist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, two or three. Today, yeah. Just because you don't offer any solution. Kidding. <laughs> Chris. Anarchist. Yeah. yeah. Give me a cigarette. <laughs> Give the anarchist a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> anarchist. Singer oh. such as I. <laughs> yeah, I was a little surprised to see it myself, it's but there it is. It probably took him a while, man, to think of that name. You got the boy George McGovern who lost but well that was I mean he it was seventy two when he ran for president. Oh but, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
he lost by the most spectacular margin imaginable to Richard Nixon. <laughs> like, just incredibly... Just getting fucked up by Tricky Dick. Well, you know how when Melts are like, oh, Corbyn's gonna destroy Labour, and it's just the most absurd, hyper- absurd hyperbole. Like, yeah. <laughs> La- Labour's going to face a wipeout, and it's like, no, no, hang on. What Labour hasn't been quote-unquote wiped out since the mid-1930s. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, it, it, but basically that happened to the Democrats in the presidential campaign ah. of 72. <laughs> uh, they ran, they Just ran this left winger. completely shut the bed. Yeah, they ran yeah. this left wing guy called uh, George McGovern, who was an anti-war senator into yeah, so- right, social right. Vietnam would have been going on, huh? Yeah, yeah. and he, he was like the, the Bernie of his day. And then he, uh, he, he lost by like uh, uh, the biggest margin All imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i think i remember something about that from that um oliver stone's untold history of the united states you like that show didn't you i, I didn't it, finish it, it sounded but interesting. I, I i did okay. watch most of it um and yeah i mean it's 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 like left wing and all uh, so <laughs> yeah yeah d- d- i mean oliver stone is left wing he's kind of like I guess, like, you could call him sort of crank left, but he's, yeah. but he's definitely, like, <laughs> he's better than most uh most. There's Hollywood certainly times where it's a little well. conspiratorial, that documentary, but I mean, like, at the same time, yeah, most of it's just true, it's right? <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, they're watching us! It kind of is a conspiracy <laughs> of wealth, so... Yeah, of wealth and American imperialist yeah, power. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> it's called the military-industrial um, complex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, a term, of course, which I don't know if it was coined, but Dwight D. Eisenhower, a Republican military man, <laughs> uh, popularized that phrase. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's pretty indisputable that that's a big factor in American society. <laughs> um Mentioning McGovern, of course, there was uh, in 1988 and I think 84 as well. There was the Ber- the Bernie Sanders of his day was Jesse Jackson, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who again ran a sort of peace and social justice type campaign far to the left of any other campaign. And that came up actually in a biography I read of Lou Reed recently because they talk about the New York album mm. and they say that. The only presidential candidate in 88 who was actually addressing the issues that Lou Reed sang about on, or talked about on New York um, <laughs> was was Jesse Jackson. But on New York, there's a song about yeah. how Lou doesn't like Jesse Jackson. I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> and here comes Jesse Jackson. He talks of common ground. Does that common ground include me? Or is it just a sound, a sound that shakes? Or Jesse, you must watch the sounds you make. A sound that quakes. There are fears that still reverberate. Jesse, you say common ground. Does that include the PLO? What about people right here, right now, who fought for you not so long ago? The words that flow so freely, falling, dancing from your lips. 
I hope that you don't cheapen them with a racist slip. Oh, common ground. Is common ground a word or just a sound? Common ground. Remember those civil rights workers buried in the ground. If I ran for president and once was a member of the Klan, wouldn't you call me on it the way I call you on Farrakhan? So, like, in the 70s, Lou Reed would, like, casually make anti-Semitic remarks and stuff, but I think probably... Like, he's obviously, he was Jewish, but, I mean, uh, around the time that I think he decided, I'm straight and I'm going to write songs like, I love women and I'm an average guy. I think he, he kind of probably, like in his move towards being more of a normie type, he, like, reconnected with his Jewish heritage, and I think from then on, he became a lot more uh, concerned about Israel? Uh, anti-Semitism. Oh, okay. and I, yeah, yeah, and and, is, and and he was always very hawkish on Israel, oh. apparently. He'd be left-wing on most things, and then incredibly <laughs> right-wing when it came to Israel. Okay. Um, and, I, and, and to be fair to Lou, <laughs> Jesse Jackson did make a really dodgy anti-Semitic comment that basically destroyed his 1984 presidential campaign where he uh, said something about, I think he called New York Jaime Town. What town? Jaime. Never heard of that one before. But I uh, guess I get well, it. it's yeah, an anti-Semitic yeah, phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all you need to know. That's, really. that's a new one to um, me, though. I've heard them all before. <laughs> well, one. now, now you know. Uh, maybe when you have your own Blue uh, <laughs> Reed nineteen seventies period, where you're chucking about anti-Semitic slurs. <laughs> um, but no, like weirdly, I'm not actually sure Lou addresses the Jaime Town thing in uh, what's it called. Mr. Walheim yeah. or whatever. He talks more about Jesse Jackson's links to Farrakhan. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Farrakhan... N- not a big lover of Jews, really? Oh. No. <laughs> yeah, I think pretty indisputably uh, is not, is just anti-Semitic. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's a bit of a kind of guilt by association mm. argument. And, and and as Robert Criscow said in his review at the time, Reed's arguments against Jackson might have more import if he talks about Jackson's own right. anti-Semitism rather than saying, you, you stood next to this guy once, you know? Yeah, that's pretty much what they say about Corbyn, isn't it? Like, oh, monster. It, it, it is. Hanging yeah. out with these unsavory <laughs> types. Yeah, well, yeah, he called Hamas and Hezbollah friends, etc. Yeah, it's a similar kind of thing, but... I know, uh, but I mean, when I first heard it, well, when I first heard it, I didn't know anything about Jeremy Corbyn or whatever, because it was yeah. 2013. <laughs> but but when, when the Corbyn arguments came out, I was kind of like, oh, that's a bit like <laughs> just kind of just deciding that he can't support this guy whose p- political positions he 99% agrees with because for some reason he thinks he's an anti-Semite. That was my impression I got from the Farrakhan arguments in the song. But then having seen that Farrakhan, there was actually a statement, Jesse Jackson. Yeah has actually said uh, uh, bad things about Jewish people in the past, then yeah, I, I, okay, I get, I get where Lou's coming from a bit more. But I think that's probably one of the weakest tracks on that yeah. album. The rest are like gritty slices of the street. It does kind and, of stand out, you know, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
It's one of the longer tracks as well. Uh, four minutes thirty-five. Like mm. a lot of them. Uh, well, no, you've got you've got a few others. Uh, but open, no, open no street minutes, hassle but... there, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no street hassle. Great record, though, New York. Yeah, it is ever. really. That's where that's that's uh, got the last great American whale, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. The last great American whale, and I, I love, uh, I love the last great American whale. Like, just uh, songs like uh, lines like, I, well, I mean, the whole thing yeah, is it's great, also but just the final yeah. verse. Americans don't care too much for beauty. They'll shit in a river, dump battery acid in the stream. <laughs> They'll watch dead rats wash up on the beach and complain that they can't swim. Yeah. <laughs> Such a misanthrope. <laughs> um, and, and you know the end where he's like, the, the song ends just so like abruptly. He's like, <laughs> he's like, uh, it's like my painter friend Donald said to me. Stick a fork in their ass, turn them over, and they're done. <laughs> yeah. uh, and apparently... Um, my painter friend Donald is John Mellencamp. Okay. Hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <how? laughs> I mean, I like, he's not called Donald, <laughs> and John Mellencamp is uh, a musician rather than a, a painter. Yeah, maybe he maybe paints, he paints but, in his spare yeah. time. <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, apparently Mellencamp, who'd had a falling out with Reed over. Basically, so you know, like in 1988, Guns N' Roses were, were yeah, a huge sure. band because they'd done Appetite for Destruction the year before and then they put out this uh, this record, this sort of mini album in 88 called GNR Lies and there's a song on it called One in a Million that Guns N' Roses have since kind of Stalinistically <laughs> from their catalogue but it, it's basically, it, it contains a succession of appalling slurs <laughs> about different groups uh just uh for example i mean i don't want to uh i don't want to like uh cite it oh i got the chords up by accident there i'm not gonna cover that. <laughs> uh, but, but basically it's it's quite it's a sort of acoustic song it sounds kind of like neil young actually musically but um but axel just comes in like he's talking about uh he just needed to get away and then on the second verse he's just like police and n-words that's right so when he says the n-word he knows that he's dropped this huge like bomb and he's like that's right he's like get out of my way don't need to buy none of your gold chains today it's weird i don't think police tend to sell (laughs) chains and uh, it's a bit odd to lump the police (laughs) in with black people same group um what (laughs) yeah (laughs) then the the next verse immigrants and a slur for gay people beginning with F. Mm. They make no sense to me. They come to our country and think they'll do as so they please. Gay like st- people come to our country from the land of the gays. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> it's like the police and black <laughs> yeah. people think he gets the, these two disparate groups together and then just starts like making generalizations that Arr, apply those to gays both coming don't over make here. Sense. Yeah. Uh, Right. So they think they'll do as they. Yeah, they come to our country. They think they do as they please. Like start some mini Iran. That's how he pronounces it, Iran. Or spread some fucking disease. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, spread some fucking disease was I think probably the most contentious line in in arguably the whole song at the time. They talk so many goddamn ways. It's all Greek to me. (laughs) 
Mate, you're a little grease, all right? You know, <laughs> it's kind of like Nigel Farage a couple of months ago, uh, a couple of years ago, where he's like, "They're all on the bus talking Croatian." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then the final verse are like, uh, radicals and racists, don't point your finger at me. I'm just a small town white boy just trying to make ends meet. What? So I think what he's saying is when he says radicals and racists, he's talking about the same group of people here. I think what he's saying here is that radicals, which I presume means liberals... Of racist against white people. Yeah, could be. I think I, that's I, what I, he's saying. I definitely saying. get a white working class Trumpian vibe from it, you know. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I think it's all the, these coastal elites, you know. They're uh, they don't appreciate an honest, uh, an honest uh, <laughs> small town white boy like Axel. Oh, poor, poor uh, Axel Rose. Poor Axel Rose. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this song was pretty controversial at the say. time. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lou Reed was apparently deeply offended by it. Um, and basically, like, uh, so Farm Aid was a, uh, a benefit. It's still going that, to yeah. this day. It, but it was set up, basically, after Bob Dylan on stage at Live Aid was like, yeah, we could just take a little bit of this money and send it to the family farmers of America to help them out. You know, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I hope, I just like I say, I hope that some of the money that's raised for all the people in Africa, maybe they could just take a little bit of it, maybe one or two million, maybe, and use it, say, to pay the, uh, pay the mortgages on some of the farms and, um, that the farmers here owe to the banks. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Paul? That's outrageous. This is for starving people in Africa, not Americans. Um, but, like, Neil Young, John Mellencamp, and Willie Nelson were all like, yeah, yeah, exactly. What about the family farmers of America? So far made, like, 80 nine i guess it would have been because that's when new york came out Mellencamp, who by the way was a fan of new york he said it was it sounds like it was recorded by a 12 year old but i like it (laughs) 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 i mean i get what he's saying i like that new york is just such a like no nonsense rock and roll record yeah it's pretty frivolous stripped down it it is it really is just like garage rock um but like but I mean, obviously, a higher lyrical standard. Outside the streets were steaming, the crack dealers were dreaming. I'd be losing someone at just scored. I bet you I can hit that light with my one good arm behind my back, says little Joey Diaz. Brother, give me another tote. Those downtown hoods are no damn good. Those Italians need a lesson to be taught. This copy died in Harlem. You think they get the warning? I was dancing when I saw his brains run out on the street. And Romeo hit But yeah, basically Juliet. Guns N' Roses were booked to play Live Aid and 89, Juliet and they were at that point the single biggest band in America and, and arguably the entire world. So John Mellencamp thought he'd got a, a you know, a pretty great catch yeah. here. Lou Reed came into his dressing room and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this about? You've got this homophobic guy. Because I think Lou may have kind of by that point decided, oh, I'm, I'm actually straight. But I think he's still being a liberal apart from on issues of Israel. He was yeah. very much uh, opposed to homophobia. So he, he was like, this is, wh- how, why have you got this fucking bigot 
not his words exactly, but it was probably something yeah. like that. Uh, why have you got this fucking bigot playing? And I think John Mellencamp was just like, dude, you wrote a song called Heroin <laughs> or something. Uh, and, and Lou like just fucking stormed out and apparently they never spoke <laughs> to each other again. <laughs> but, uh, but basically, I mean, I kind of think like John Mellencamp could have cited a more offensive yeah. song there. Because like, you know, using the N word and the homophobic F word and stuff is uh, yeah. is much worse than singing about taking a hard drug. To be honest, <laughs> like, whereas Lou does have songs that have they slurs do, yeah, and nasty sure. stuff in them, <laughs> so like he could have easily, you know, he could have gone a li- that little bit deeper, <laughs> you know, um, Sister Ray sucking on my ding dong or something. I'm sure that would have still offended moral sensibilities in eighty eight, uh, eighty nine, like. <laughs> Um, yeah, there was definitely I think deeper there was similar... cuts there to make. Um, yeah. <laughs> but still I pretty think, funny. Uh, Guns wrote... I'll take Manhattan in a garbage bag with Latin rin on it that says it's hard to give a shit these days. Manhattan sinking like a rock until the filthy huts of what a shock. They wrote a book about it. They said it was like ancient Rome. <laughs> I think Guns N' Roses then ran into a similar issue a couple of years later because Freddie Mercury, who is one of Axl Rose's biggest influences, died. And there was a big tribute concert and Axl Rose obviously wanted to play that and Queen were very happy to have Guns N' Roses there. But I think a lot of people were like, this guy is homophobic. Uh, <laughs> maybe he should not be here. But I think, like... The surviving members of Queen and like Elton John and people came to Axel's defense. Sounds and, about um, right, yeah. It was either him or his friend and fellow sort of 80s cock rock <laughs> singer, Sebastian Bach, who went around in the late 80s wearing a shirt that said AIDS kills F slurs dead. Yeah. So that was another reason besides the song, but people didn't want him there. But Queen were like, but actually, him being here is the biggest statement he could make. I'm like, nah, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's, that's liberal bullshit. <laughs> like, fuck off, Brian May. Go and wank over the Queen that, or something. That's like how in that like, Queen movie last year or whatever it was, like, they basically just signaled that Freddie was gay by having him stand next to gay men and, like... Look at gay men. <laughs> he just like <laughs> he liked to stand next yeah. to gay men. You know that was all he needed. That was thrill enough. You know he'd 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 go he'd frequent those those bars and clubs just to stand <laughs> next to guys. <laughs> and of course now they have they've done uh, an Elton John movie as well, Rocket Man, which again probably. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're not. It's going to be hard to like queer wash Elton John, <laughs> you know, or make make it make or make Elton John look like he did less drugs than he did because it's it's on record that he was like one of the biggest cocaine addicts of all time, oh, yeah. arguably. Sounds about right. Ah, <laughs> uh, I've been I have been listening to quite a lot of Lou recently. I mean, I I really I love that. Oh yeah, I've only got into it recently, but I love that Coney Island baby album he did in the 80s i don't think i know I... that one it's... sorry it's the 70s uh, it was his album after after berlin the bleakest album i of do all know time. that one one yeah. of my favorites <laughs> yes berlin berlin they're taking her children away <laughs> because they said she was a bad mother so uh, happy. But, uh, coney island baby 
Yeah, Coney Island Baby is more like uh, Lou trying to like rebrand as a mainstream rock and roll star. So like the first two songs are so catchy. You've got one where he's just like, you got the, the crazy feeling, uh, which is, and then the next one is just like the riff from Sweet Jane combined with the doo doo doos from Walk on the Wild Side equals money <laughs> you know? uh, and then track three is this weird like kind of funk jam called kicks which is him just like hey man what's your style i tell you what my style is you, you get a guy to come on you and then you kill him <laughs> it's just a song where he's just like talk singing about how he like finds murder <laughs> <for me. laughs> and then you kill him like that's like literally how he says it in the song don't you know it was a uh, better than sex now 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 it was a way of better than getting me cause it's the final thing to do now get somebody to come on to you then you just Get somebody to now, now come on to you and then you kill him. Yeah. You kill him. It's just a crazy album, and then it concludes with the title track where Lou is like, he confesses that he always wanted to quote unquote play football for the coach. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so the, a little bit of Normie Lou emerging at yeah. that point. Fucking jock. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, although at that point he was in a long-term relationship with a trans woman called Rachel, and, and he uh, shouts her out at the end of that song, saying, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I can't actually remember what his phrasing is, but it's just something like, uh, you know, this one goes out to all the kids from Lou and Rachel and all the crew. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. cool, 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 yeah, uh, def- definitely, uh, if anyone wants to read a good long book about Lou Reed, Anthony de Curtis's uh, Lou Reed biography is, is very, very good. Okay, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's a bit of a subject change in that it's not about <laughs> Lou at all, but I, the only thing I've been really listening to lately is that The Big Day. Oh, The Chance the Rapper album! Yeah, man. Yeah, tell me about it, because I haven't listened like, to it yet. Oh, man, you got to get on that. It's like 22 tracks, dude. <laughs> Featuring Randy Newman. Granted that, like, <laughs> three or four of them are, like, skits. But, yeah. like, still, it's a, it's a long album. Um, and there's quite a few bangers on there, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Some, some catchy shit. I love it. <laughs> and, it, and it's and it's what it's as you kind of expect for chance it's upbeat and just happy and puts a smile on your face yeah he's he's very upbeat uh, i've heard that it dispenses with the gospel influences that were quite prevalent on coloring book which um which is a shame if so in my opinion because i i really like the more melody centric tracks on there oh god i, I mean for- that was fun but i think he still manages to have a nice melodic sort of quality to some of the tracks yeah he always Um, did did you see that he um recently he pulled his single that he put out just before coloring book with r kelly no but uh, i'm not terribly familiar good choice i think it was uh somewhere somewhere in paradise i think it's called um okay with R R kelly uh 
really, really being like probably well and truly cancelled beyond the extent that any other musician has been cancelled. Um, <laughs> that's definitely one way to put it a- any more but, thoughts uh, on his record and his his career and so on um i don't think i really had had much else to add <laughs> um, i do think it's interesting how this is framed as his debut album uh, and it's like just just the fact like, that yeah <laughs> really <laughs> i mean i i i get like the mixtape it's definitely album. his longest but yeah yeah i just i feel like the mixtape album distinction is becoming more and more meaningless by the day yeah, <laughs> like really. 10 day acid rap and coloring book are albums if i ever heard one like far more so than say patterns by crazy moose or something uh, sure. <laughs> and and um <laughs> Oh yeah, shit! I forgot he made that uh, based freestyles mixtape with Lil B as well. Um, <laughs> remember, we had that discussion ages ago about the phrase "based." Yes, um, yeah. And whether it's fash or not, and I was like, "Well, Lil B seems to say it a lot, and I don't think he's fash." <laughs> <laughs> In, he, he, was it that he means it as pre-basing something? Is that what it No, was? I don't oh, no. think so. Because Lil B is oh, like... It means cool or something? Yeah, I think it means cool okay. when he says it. Because Lil B is like a very kind of positive character. Like, uh... Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't oh, wait, think... But, oh, didn't you mention... Yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> it was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, must have been, that might have even been very early real politic, actually. Uh, Lil the little B based discussion. It was about a year ago or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause, or because you've got like, what is he called? Baked Alaska, rather than based Alaska. It's baked. I don't know. That's it? what I was going to bring up. Fucking you're wrong in communist. Coming for you. Oh, I got pepper spray. I got fucking pepper spray. Thank you. Guys. I got fucking pepper spray. I need milk. I need milk. I need milk. I need milk. What the fuck? What the fuck? I need milk! I need milk! I need milk right now! I need milk! I got pepper spray! Out! Milk right now, please! I got right in it! Medic! Medic! I'm sure somebody at least mentioned some ba- based. based god. Based God, yeah, yeah. Lil B calls himself the Based God, but I don't know. But if you're asking um, about the dessert, base <laughs> is that what you're asking? Baked Alaska. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that that Lil B would be using it to describe free base in cocaine because obviously free base, <laughs> free base is an archaic form of cocaine use that was long ago superseded by crack. True. So, <laughs> so I don't, I, you know, uh, you can free base was, acid. Can you? I'm pretty sure I've heard of that. Have you done it? No. <laughs> I've <laughs> taken loads of blotters. I've never freebased it. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, d- I have not heard any of Chance the Rapper's non-album singles he's released between 2018 and 19. Cause oh, really? I, yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard a few of them. I've not been keeping up with him. I was very into him in the run-up to Coloring Book, and I liked Col- Coloring Book a lot when it came out. You know, I think it's because I shared that album a lot with some friends who I subsequently fell out with. So uh. <laughs> it, it, it's, um, 
redolent of it's tarnished got some negative connotations. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I got into Chance years before that with acid rap. You know, I was listening to that uh, yeah, with you, you got me into first acid year. Rap. Did I? I almost said you got me into it, but it probably no. I, I it was it, probably it, shortly <laughs> after you discovered it or something. It yeah. was probably me who got you into it. I will take the. Let's just say that. statistically, it's likely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I I have not heard that yet. But um, yeah, I have a very clear memory of you coming over. Uh, I was dating the time and she really fucking mm. hated it oh did <laughs> that, she that, that uh, yeah, yeah she did not like rap uh, music did she yeah she did not like rap music at all but she particularly just hated that album and i fucking was it loved was it, it. it his was voice his <laughs> it's probably just the yeah the kind of experimental nature and the yeah the was <laughs> and all that stuff <laughs> he's got um, a grating voice but like i i've i i'm a guy who's like spent yeah, yeah either love it in- or hate it i don't know <laughs> like <laughs> i've i've spent my entire life literally my entire life thanks to my dad listening to bob dylan so if some guy's got a like <laughs> kind of voice i could not care less <laughs> if anything it sounds more like what normal singing is supposed to be and that's another yeah, thing as well like I gotcha. when, when some people slag off like Chance or To Pimp a Butterfly era Kendrick for trying to sing. But again, they're as good singers as most of the rock singers I like. So, yeah, <laughs> like, sure. who cares? Exactly. I mean, it makes your voice distinctive anyway, if you're not trying to sing to a, some imagined perfection, you know? Yeah. Uh, when really, like, it's all it's all made up shit. I mean, it is mathematical, but like where you set those keys or whatever is like. It's all man-made, you know? Like, oh. why not play with it? Yeah, absolutely. Repair is the dream Of a broken thing Like a message broadcast on an overpass All my favorite singers couldn't sing All my favorite singers couldn't sing So in terms of music, instead because we seem to be having a protracted music <laughs> right, chat yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, I was just literally apologizing to our Patreon subscribers for all the stuff we've been putting out as music. But you know <laughs> but you know what? Me and Geraint recorded two and a half hours of political material yesterday. So fuck yeah, politics. <laughs> I don't give a oh, shit. Although, me and Tom recorded an audio track for a video essay he was going to do on William Friedkin's 1977 film Sorcerer towards the end of last year. Still no sign of that. (laughs) (laughs) That was about November. Uh, Tom Tom told me a couple of weeks ago, oh, I'm doing some work on the Sorcerer video essay. I'm like, oh, that exists? (laughs) Wow, okay. I thought that was like... Oh my god, yeah, one of those things you just give up on, right? Yeah, I thought it was just like consigned to the the dustbin of history (laughs) forever, you know? Uh, That reminds me of the other day when I got a package from India. I was like, what the fuck? I haven't ordered anything. And then... I cast my mind back to like literally about four months ago and I'd ordered some uh, muscle relaxants. <laughs> they just never showed up. I'd written them off for oh, wow. like three months ago. I'd be like, okay, that was wasted money. I, yeah. I, I'm not going to buy from them again. Yeah, I've had that and with they books just and showed shit. up. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I guess, shipping from India pretty convoluted uh well yeah it might be a long arduous shipping process who knows it went via london 
Oh right, from yeah. India. That's so quite yeah. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> I I was gonna say in terms of music news. So actually, I mean, I have been in. I've been not that adventurous recently. I think it's like I've been going back to my roots, which are sort of classic rock. But okay. And and I, I've 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 not listened to many rap albums recently. You know, obviously, you know better than anyone, Yair. I am a huge rap fan. I'm that. Oh is, yeah, for sure. That is music <laughs> close to my heart, but it's just not. I don't know. It's. I think maybe it's social music. It's because I'm stuck back at my parents. I haven't got much of a fucking social life here. My parents aren't going to mm. appreciate rap music if I show it to them. Um, yeah. So I've been mostly listening to music that's like. I don't know, that gives me You can relate to certain your vibes parents with. Like Lucinda Williams recently, who I saw live last week. Hmm. And like she's she's a super great songwriter and stuff like stuff like that really, like, you know, Bruce and Lou and um and Neil obviously and Bob and oh, all, yeah. the, all the great and all the great Who. artists. Yeah, and I got yeah, super obsessed with great, the Who yeah. for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Pete Townsend uh ooh, uh, problematic arrest um but uh, what i was gonna say is I, I actually i actually did listen to a new rap track last night it's a uh, rhapsody who appeared on kendrick lamar's to pimp a butterfly record she's a woman okay. rapper which obviously need more of that like no name yeah. is another good woman in rap at the moment formerly no name gypsy but i think she listened to what gypsies were saying to her and was like i should not appropriate this culture which and at which good on her great mc but uh oh apparently rhapsody's got a new album out this year called eve but uh she's basically got a new tune out featuring jizza from wu-tang clan who is like the most elusive guy he's supposed there's been this jizza album called dark matter that's been supposedly coming out for about 10 years now and d'angelo sort of chinese democracy situation definitely yeah uh but it's like a rap album with lots of lyrics about science apparently could <laughs> be very scientifically based from what i've heard <laughs> but <laughs> he's called the genius you know man just a genius d'angelo is on it as well which is you know a rare appearance by him he did a track for the mm. red dead redemption soundtrack uh red All dead right. redemption <laughs> 2 my, my yeah. apologies tom would have set me right there <laughs> uh, which i showed this tune to tom actually and tom recognized it straight off he was like oh I it's bet. red dead <laughs> uh but yeah d'angelo sings for hook which is a kind of interpolation of liquid swords by wu-tang it's pretty dope but i was listening to that song and i got that feeling that you get from good rap music where you're like the the beat is chill the bars are fire yeah. uh, it's just got that, you know, uh, I described Springsteen as this in our last kind of discussion, but it's got that, that life-affirming quality that the best rap has. So Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Now when the MCs came to live out the name And to get you before some hair To smoke cocaine To act the same To provoke be rock it all Now all to the mental planes To spark the brain With the building to be born Fine! Boy, you sharp, boy. Look at the face on you, boy. Ooh, boy, you look the sword in your head, boy. Yo, hey. Thinking like back in the days yeah. when niggas wore fades. Yeah. Suit tie caps yeah. just trying to catch away. Trying to catch away. Trying to catch away. Thinking like back in the days when niggas wore fades. Suit tie caps just trying to catch away. Trying to catch away. Trying to catch away. 
trying to catch a wave. Oh, you sure, like, boy? When the MCs came to live out their name, inscribed in the halls and the walls of fame, balancing life, wrote both the yin and yang. Hands buried a man and they raised the sun to rain. That's a play on words, they say herb ain't all the same. Slaves in prison and they some unchained. While everybody in my gang is star DJ Prane. Screaming through the So I've downloaded her last album, which features people like Kendrick on it as well. And I've been very, uh, I'm very excited to listen to that. She's got nine, nine. What was the name of the album? The album is called Layla's Wisdom. Layla with an I, not Layla as in Layla and other assorted love songs by Derek and the Dominoes. Uh, but she's got she's got a load of beats on it by Ninth Wonder, who's got a proper old school '90s New York boom bap type sound. So I'm I'm hyped to listen to that Rhapsody album. Really, the other yeah. mu- music thing I wanted to talk about is that Woodstock '50 has finally been cancelled. <laughs> what? what what's this about so like, like the 50th anniversary they were going to do something it is indeed so there have been obviously woodstock was in 1969 yeah and didn't and, they try to do one in 99 oh they did one in 99 they did yeah. one in night so they did one in 94 at which they managed to get bob dylan to play hmm. dylan did not play the original Woodstock, despite them literally putting it on in Woodstock because he lived there. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan was like, absolutely. That's a big fuck you. <laughs> he was like, absolutely the fuck not. But I guess in the 90s, Dylan was just in his, you know, 1988 to present. Yeah, I'll play a gig kind of mode. So yeah. they were just like, Bob, do you want to play a show? And he was like, yes. <laughs> so don't, not, not mention what the show is You'd be like yeah 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 of course i'll play a show <laughs> so there, there's some cool footage of like him playing joker man in woodstock 94 on youtube and his drummers kicking all sorts of ass on that track playing very heavy in a way that his current drummer doesn't play but then yes you are right they again did a 1999 woodstock festival which was a fucking catastrophe um, that's about all i know about it <laughs> there i i would i would recommend a piece in rolling stone magazine which is on their website and rolling stone has okay. quite quite a good website full of like their old pieces it's not like yeah. it's all it's all archived you can find it on the website the piece is called rage against the latrine <laughs> rage against the machine were of course on the bill and uh, it refers to the fact that there were mass riots there <laughs> there were like food shortages and the toilets were all fucked um <laughs> and it was it was there was a heat wave and it was a really like nasty concretey kind of area really very ugly looking apparently yeah. but basically because it was like rather than grass it was all concrete and shit <laughs> it got really 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 hot <laughs> i think there were sexual assaults as well um, Not so laugh-worthy. No, and people have uh, basically, you know, in Rolling Stone Music Now podcast, they posit that it was kind of indicative of this backlash against a 90s mainstream rock music that had been more inclusive of women, with bands like 
Pole or like PJ Harvey, who's well, she's a solo artist, but you know, were all kind of attaining prominence. And then you had this kind of like butt butt rock new metal stuff, like Limp oh Bizkit God, yeah. and all the all that <laughs> horrible Lincoln Park. Yeah, terrible, terrible band. I know people have reclaimed Lincoln Park, but sorry, I can't fuck with that kind of music. It's awful. <laughs> I hate I hate it. It's testosterone fueled macho fucking nonsense just with a side order of i'm a nice guy woe is me self-pity i yeah i despise it rage against the machine on the other hand good band good politics excellent synthesis of rap and rock but (laughs) so they were one of the better artists on the bill (laughs) just unfortunately latrine rhymes with machine so therefore they would be forever associated with uh, woodstock 99 (laughs) (laughs) one of those unforeseeable uh (laughs) shouldn't have named our band to rhyme with latrine (laughs) (laughs) so there's a bit of a saga woodstock 50 this year it was supposed to be going down they they had about 10 different venues they were supposed to be hosting it at and their entire lineup dropped out and they said it was going to be <laughs> a free festival but a free festival featuring who woodstock i think has been subject to a series of diminishing crosby stills nash and young related returns so <laughs> the original festival featured i think the very first live performance by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young soon after Neil Young had joined the band so that they could play their songs live. However, if you watch the 1969 film... No, sorry, it came out in 1970, I think. um, But the film of the 1969 Woodstock, um, they, they introduce Crosby, Stills, Nash. No ands, you notice. That would be because Neil Young demanded they cut his name out of the audio and uh, he refused to let them film him and I think at one point hit the cameraman with his guitar when he tried to film him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Neil was just not feeling the vibes at the time. He he thought it was a massively phony enterprise, I think. Um, So when they did... uh, and, and Oh, and I should say that Neil's rewriting of history so that he wasn't at Woodstock appears to have been wholly successful, judging by the Pitchfork review of the new Back to the Garden, the definitive 50th anniversary Woodstock archive box set that's just come out featuring every set from the show. Now they say in this review, Crosby, Stills and Nash, sorry, don't you mean Crosby, Stills, Nash? substituted tracks from a later Fillmore East performance on the first Woodstock album, but their set at the festival was better. It appears that Neil has managed to convince Pitchfork that he actually wasn't at the festival. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, uh, well done, I guess. Um, Anyway. He just got himself airbrushed out of history. 
Yeah, although the weird thing is that the, the, the soundtrack to the Woodstock film features a Neil Young song they recorded in the studio called Sea of Madness. So if you just have to look at the original soundtrack album to know that Neil Young was there. So it's not the most successful rewriting of history, even if this, this box set does supersede the original soundtrack. I'm trying to find a a track listing of the box set. I don't think it has its own Wikipedia page yet. Hmm. But yeah, so I was saying, uh, the Woodstock phenomenon seems to have been subject to a series of increasingly diminishing Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young related returns. So Woodstock 94, the 25th anniversary, they invited Neil and Crosby, Stills and Nash separately. And (laughs) as you might expect, Neil told them to get fucked but Crosby Stills <laughs> and Nash very happily played I think in part because they were receiving drastically more money than they received for the original Woodstock right. <laughs> 1999 as far as I know let me just check Woodstock 1999 uh, Woodstock 99 to my knowledge Crosby did not feature any Crosby, Stills, Nash, or Young, because you know they had Limp Biscuit and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> did they have Limp? I think they did have Limp Biscuit. Limp. Uh, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, they did. They had Limp Biscuit, Corn, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Creed all playing. <laughs> oh, well, okay. John Entwistle from the Who performed a solo set. <laughs> I mean, I like some of John Entwistle's sure. songs, like, so <laughs> sure, but yeah, not really. Not the same as the Reunited Who. Uh, Mickey yeah. Hart, drummer of the Grateful Dead, played with his band Planet Drum. <laughs> Al, Al Green was also slated to appear, but backed <laughs> out following John F. Kennedy Jr.'s death in a plane crash. <laughs> what? Oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why? I don't get how... <laughs> I don't get how one but, thing well, was the connection. Yeah. Why was Al Green like? Well, if I get on a plane, I'm clearly going to get killed. <laughs> Green, uh, here we go from MTV News at the time. Green had planned to fly from Nashville in a small private plane, but backed out of the flight following the plane crash death, July the sixteenth of John F. Kennedy Jr. Woodstock co-promoter John Sure said the singer had tried unsuccessful unsuccessfully to make other travel arrangements, but he just couldn't get it sorted. <laughs> apparently. So that's a shame. I like Al Green, but again, I don't like Woodstock 99, so he probably dodged a bullet there. Um, Metallica played, apparently, so they did have some fucking huge bands. The Chemical Brothers, Ice Cube performed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Megadeth, Willie Nelson, Elvis (laughs) Costello. Okay, so Creed, a terrible band, featured... Mm. Robbie Krieger, the, the guitarist from The Doors, for some reason. <laughs> I don't think The Doors played the original Woodstock. George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars. Insane, okay. yeah, insane Clown Posse played. James Brown <laughs> played. Jamiroquai played. Sheryl Crow. DMX. Bush. The Offspring. Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that all Quite of these acts... I'm not saying all of these acts are good, but, <laughs> you know, oh, uh, uh, God, uh, you, you had... And you have the milk! 
Kid Rock, uh, who I think oh, rap, was one of the guys who rallied up the crowd into rioting. Fatboy Slim, <laughs> the Dave Matthews Band, Alanis Morissette, Counting Crows. God, this is so late 90s. Um, He's right. <laughs> Wy- Wycliffe John from the Fugees with the Refugee All-Stars. Are those just like people who he embezzled charity money out of or something. <laughs> <laughs> you can look into what I'm talking about there about Wycliffe Sean. A great songwriter in his day, but Lauren Hill, easily the less problematic ex-Fuji. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's some of the people who played at Woodstock 99. Uh, now, Woodstock 50. Yes, in... Tommy. So returning to the theme of diminishing returns... David Crosby was supposed to play this year and with his solo band. I should point out, David Crosby is not on speaking terms with Graham Nash, Stephen Stills, and Neil Young. So, that explains that one, yeah. Yeah, so David No Mates Crosby. Uh, was going to play with his friends. <laughs> so maybe he does have some mates, I don't know. <laughs> his David last Cros- remaining friends. Yeah, his, his David Crosby and friend. It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, to be fair, you also had originally in the Woodstock 50 lineup, Run the Jewels, Robert Plant. Like, yeah, I know, like Robert Plant, again, like Led Zeppelin didn't play the original Woodstock. So that's kind of like they're getting someone who missed first missed it first time around. Chance the Rapper. The Killers, Miley Cyrus, Santana, Akon, Dead and Company, which is basically former members of the Grateful Dead with John Mayer on guitar and vocals. The Black Keys, Sturgill Simpson, who's a good country singer who's very kind of hip at the moment. He's very, like uh, Jim Jarmusch has been bigging him up and shit. You got Leon Bridges, who is a good neo-soul kind of guy. Portugal, the man. Well, I don't know them. Sounds like a big pile of shit to me. Gary Clark Jr., Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Crosby, I've got to say, pretty low down the lineup. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. You've got Country Joe McDonald. Country Joe and the Fish played <laughs> the original Woodstock, but the okay. Fish appear to have uh, gone separate ways with, with Country <laughs> Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then on the final day, you had Jay Z heading up the lineup or, with also Imagine Dragons, <laughs> Janelle Monet, Courtney Barnett, Common, Vince Staples, Earl Sweatshirt. So there's some sick hip hop acts on that day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as well as vintage acts, The Zombies, Canned Heat, and Hot Tuna. None of whom I knew were still together, but apparently they are. (laughs) And also you had John Sebastian, who played the original Woodstock, on the bill. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was not actually a bad lineup at the end of the day. No, sure. But every conceivable thing went wrong. And they lost their original venue. Was this another fire festival story? (laughs) I don't know because, well, no one ended up going to it in the end. It got (laughs) cancelled before they could put it on and scam a load of gullible dipshits out of money. Uh, (laughs) And and even then, to be fair, it was going to be free 
but they were still right, yeah. they were still selling like really expensive VIP tickets. Oh wow, John Fogerty was apparently meant to be playing because a Credence Clearwater revival played the original lineup, and I think people had already bought tickets when they decided it was going to be Freevo. So people were kind of pissed <laughs> off about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, relo- there you've got a subheading on the Wikipedia page. Relocation to Maryland and loss of artist lineup. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> Let's have yeah. Woodstock not at Woodstock. Yeah, uh, apparently one of the... They, were, they almost hosted it at Merriweather Post Pavilion, which I know as an Animal Collective album, but was actually apparently a place as well. Um, it does sound like a place, uh, but apparently the Smashing Pumpkins had a show booked there on that day, so they decided, they decided not to do it. <laughs> yeah, so it all just seemed to go completely tits up, and then the festival was cancelled on July the 31st. It went through loads of different promoters and organisers as well. They kind of, it, it kept getting kind of like handed from organisation to organisation. Oh yeah. Ah, yeah, and this is so ignominious, but the final thing on the Wikipedia page before the references is, see also, and then there's one bullet point under see also, fire festival, a similar <laughs> cancelled music festival. So yeah. <laughs> Call it. Yeah, so I've announced on Twitter that we're hosting Woodstock 50 in my study. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I should point out that the original Woodstock was quite real politic in that it was hosted on a dairy farm. (laughs) Milk! (laughs) So I think really we are the people who should take over this enterprise and we're we're the natural heirs to the throne, if you will. <laughs> Let's do Woodstock fifty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do. We'll give it a little bit. Woodstock fifty point five. Let's not make people wait a whole year. <laughs> oh god! And uh, yeah, Woodstock, not a DA Pennebaker film, unfortunately. Although one of the editors and camera makers was a young Martin Scorsese, camera makers. Oh. Sorry, no, he did not camera. build the cameras. <laughs> yeah. Ca- camera operations. Yeah, a cameraman. <laughs> I think this is a pile of shit while John Sinclair rots in prison.
it's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. 